all of you poor single men Don't ever give up in despair For there's always a chance in your life To capture the heart of the fair No matter what may be your age You always may cut a fine dash You will suit all the girls to a hair If you've only got a mustache Oh, mustache, oh, mustache If you've only got a mustache Your head may be thick as a block And empty as any football Oh, your eyes may be green as the grass Your head just as hard as a wall You take the advice that I give You'll soon gain affection and cash You'll be all of the rage with the girls If you've only got a mustache Oh, mustache, oh, mustache If you've only got a mustache I once was in sorrow and tears Because I was jilted, you know So right down the river I ran To quickly dispose of my woes A good friend, he gave me advice And timely prevented the splash Now I'm home with a wife and ten heirs And all through a handsome mustache Oh, mustache, oh, mustache And all through a handsome mustache Welcome to the Nerdoplexy Mustache Movie Review Show. In this series, we're going to break down prominent cinematic facial hairs and let you know our Movember musings that we've been stashing away all year. Where we track the trims, hype the hair, and bash on the trash stashes. My name is Sam, and with me, as always, is my fellow mustache enthusiast, the pro-Semite rigs to my Murtaugh. It's Dave. Put it in your mouth. (laughs) Uh, So grab your lucky suicide bullet as we take on the 1987 film Lethal Weapon. So let's... Dive in. In case Sam keeps that in there, that pause was not extended. <laughs> no, it was a real, real-time pause. <laughs> Directed by Richard Donner, the Superman, the Omen, and the Scrooged guy, among hundreds of other credits, I'm sure. Written by one of Nerdoplexy's favorite over-the-top action writers, Shane Black. Starring Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Gary Busey and Tom Atkins, to just name a few. Pittsburgh proud Tom Atkins, Dave's favorite actor. Ugh. <laughs> I think he's good. Uh, he's actually good in this one. I think he's just good. Well, he's okay. He's good in this one because he's like a side character who doesn't, spoiler alert, make it all the way to the end. <laughs> Sometimes people say that, that an actor couldn't act their way out of a wet paper bag. And Tom Atkins can definitely act his way out of a wet paper bag. That's fair. Yeah, he could do that. This is a great 80s buddy cop flick taking place over Christmas. uh, Inarguably a Christmas movie. I disagree with you. Uh, Much like Die Hard. Again, I disagree with you. They're action movies. They're not Christmas movies. It doesn't... I'm not doing this again. (laughs) Christmas isn't a type of movie. It is. I'm not doing this again. It's either a drama or action or comedy. This takes place over Christmas. Christmas music. Christmas tree farm, Christmas scenes, Christmas themes, shows a Christmas carol. I'm not doing this. (laughs) It's a Christmas season action movie, just like Die Hard is. If it took place over Easter, it's an Easter movie. Yeah, but Thanksgiving is a Halloween movie, even though it takes place on Thanksgiving. No, it's not. It's a horror movie that's a Thanksgiving movie. Halloween is a Halloween. It's a holiday. (sighs) Not all horror movies are Halloween movies. All right. I'm not getting into this again. (laughs) If they take place over Halloween, then they're Halloween movies. Like Halloween takes place on Halloween. 
So it's a Halloween movie. Harry Potter takes place on Halloween and Christmas. So there's a Christmas Harry Potter movie. And there's a Halloween Harry Potter movie. It's the same movie. Then it's not a holiday movie, right? If it takes place over the course of a year, this takes place over the course of like two weeks, if that. It ends on Christmas. So anyway, um, it starts out with some, uh, some boobs and drugs and suicide. Very little time is wasted there. The Amanda Hunsaker character, played by Jackie Swanson, only mostly important to note because Jackie Swanson performed that high fall on her own. Really? Trained by legendary stuntman Dar Robinson, who passed away during post-production on this film. Oh. So that's why the movie's dedicated to them. The stunt was done using an airbag covered with a life-size painting of the driveway and cars. So that's how that's done. That's amazing. I did, I did not know she did that. Pretty wild stuff. Then we get our next introduction of Danny Glover in the bath, where his whole family comes in to sing him happy birthday with a cake. With a full beard. This made me nervous. <laughs> well, I knew. I, you know, it's a little bit of uh, dramatic irony, right? Where I know... <laughs> He's going to end up with a mustache from the beard. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. But the fact is, he's in the bathtub, just butt naked, soapy bubbles, and his whole family comes in to greet him and sing him happy birthday with a cake. And I just, I can't imagine where that's like a really cool situation. If I'm in the bathtub, the door is locked. I don't want anyone to come in. I'm a shower guy. If I'm in the bathtub, I'm sick and I needed to sit down. That's where you're most vulnerable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Standing in a shower, you could at least, you can still, you kind of have some pounce in you. From your prone position in the tub, covered in soapy water, and you're not exactly looking your best in a bathtub. <laughs> I mean, Danny Glover looks great, and he's willing to, like, rough house with his son while he's still butt naked in the tub. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. But yeah, I thought that was weird. So when he goes downstairs to get breakfast... Murtaugh's wife tells him, your beard's starting to get gray. And that's when I knew, it was like, oh, the stash is coming. That's the most important thing, yeah. The stash is coming. He does end up with a great, very wonderful mustache. So we have a less idyllic trailer park with a bemulleted, ass-naked Australian anti-Semite with a full view. <laughs> a full view of what's out back and is down under. <laughs> that was probably the, the best description of Mel Gibson since this movie's come out. I'm sure he's made he's made the necessary corrections. I don't think he has. I'm willing to hear him out. So if he wants to call in, our lines are open. So he's drinking Coors Banquet. Great. Gotta love a Coors Banquet. It's in play. Another Coors through line for the stash? Yes. Danny Glover now, yeah, has his mustache. He's another Nam vet, not unlike Magnum P.I., who we discussed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of nice big fights that land at least one person in jail, not unlike Bronson. We've got the whole connection going. Murtaugh has now be become aware of a suicide of Amanda Hunsaker, and he recognizes the name immediately as one of his old war, war buddies is uh, Michael Hunsaker, the father of Amanda. He sees a lady of the night outside who says she saw everything, and uh, then there's a there's that off comment of uh, she's all dressed up and no one to blow. <laughs> and Mel Gibson has gone undercover in a tree farm buying cocaine from Anthony Kiedis's dad. Is that who that is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Blackie Dammit, born John Kiedis. That's amazing. I had no idea. And probably actually happened. I bet Mel Gibson has actually purchased cocaine from Anthony Kiedis's daddy. <laughs> 
May he rest in peace. He just passed away last year, uh, I believe. He does some Three Stooges stuff. He kicks all the dudes' asses. He's mad dogging them. You know, he's got the big crazy eyes. That Three Stooges part of the movie was all I remembered from the first time I'd seen this movie. I've only seen it once before. And I've seen this a million times. I love this movie. It's one of the better entries in that buddy cop. Yeah, this in like 48 hours. And specifically from this generation, there were so many of them. We're back into the trailer. Riggs just can't bring himself to kill himself, even though he wants to. He puts the gun in his mouth, which I had read in the trivia that has an actual blank loaded. Oh. Because Mel Gibson wanted there to be some realism, some danger, because you could still die shooting yourself in the head with a blank. Blank's that close range. But the realism is still there. That's ridiculous. (laughs) It was dangerous, but it's what he wanted to do. Then we meet Joshua and his boss... McAllister, see another Christmas theme. Hmm. The the McAllister is like Home Alone. Peter McAllister is the dad in Home Alone. Peter McAllister is this guy, but played by somebody else. It's one of those, you know, alternate reality flicks. Are you saying it's like a dimensional drift, but it's the same like Home Alone style? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm here for it. Yes. So Gary Busey does a fire forearm trick to scare some local tough, I guess. I don't know. They have a big heroin operation You'll come to find out that's dated back all the way to the Vietnam War. Tom Atkins is the Michael Hunsaker character, and he's owed a favor from Danny Glover, and he's calling it in because he wants Danny Glover to murder the people who had his daughter killed. So you come to find out also that she didn't just commit suicide. She was also poisoned. Had she not committed suicide, she would have died anyway. Yeah, there was like bleach or something in the pills. Something strange. Some poisoning involved. Now, Riggs and Murtaugh have been introduced in the police station, so they're now unwilling partners. They go to stop a guy from jumping off a building. They become partners, and then there's a scene where there's a guy who is suicidal on top of a building, and Martin Riggs does his crazy business. He goes to the to the roof. Long story short, he grabs onto the dude and jumps off with him into the quote-unquote safety of the uh, whatever jumper protocol they have is basically a big bounce house the firefighter bounce castle the blob from heavyweights yeah okay what i also love is right after that murtaugh takes Riggs into a, a store and goes to slam a door but it swings both ways it kind of loses effect <laughs> indeed yeah so he takes him into this place and he's like if you really want to kill yourself do it and he like gives him his gun and stuff he's just trying to see if he's faking his suicidal tendencies to get a pension but he's aware now that he's not faking it because he gave him an empty gun and he absolutely would have blown his head off had he not. Was it an empty gun? I thought he stopped the hammer with his hand. Either way, he finds out that he totally would have killed himself. He says that he's too old for this shit three times in the movie. I remembered it being a lot more. And then a lot of people misquote it by saying, I'm getting too old for this shit. And he says that in later movies. He is too old for this shit in the first one. And so now they go to look for the drug dealer. They say, no killing this time. And then... And he sees people doing drugs, which is just reason enough to start shooting. So that's probable cause. (laughs) They were fired upon by the drug dealer first. So that's another big deal, right? Murtaugh says, I shot him in the leg. See, you don't have to kill everybody. You know, you can just wound him. And then he pulls a gun out and Riggs kills him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of musical stings throughout this movie. Really love that. It's like just random electric guitar and some saxophone stuff. Eric Clapton made him. They do get in a tussle with that drug dealer, and 
Mel Gibson is forced to murder him. He, he shoots him in the stomach. He falls into a pool with a cover on, and they both dive in and try to get the cover off this guy's face, but it was clearly too late. His eyes were already bulged all the way out of his head. Yeah, so they did kill that guy. A lot of people die in this flick, but hey, the building guy lived, as Mel Gibson will tell you, as he slips <laughs> into his Australian accent. Now, that's a real badge. I'm a real cop, and this is a real fucking gun. This is early in his career he does slip into his Australian accent, which is fine. He's Australian. He should be allowed. So after all that harrowing drug dealer nonsense, Murtaugh invites his, who he knows now, is actually suicidal partner to his home <laughs> around his family. They're drinking Canadian mist, and there's a sick rap at the table. Oh, there's some real bad beatboxing going on. Well, the beatboxing's fine. Is it? Well, the rap that Danny Glover does is miserable. <laughs> I'm going to find a father because my name is Roger and I need to be Maja and a Sikun Haja and a Huda Hada Hana. You need some help. I am. I loved it. Just <laughs> That was like a, a real good moment. And then after that, then Riggs leaves and says, I'm really good at killing. That's why I do it so often. He can kill people from very far away. Good for him. So then they, they go to a shooting range and come up with a theory that... Dixie, the prostitute they had talked to earlier, uh, may have been involved in the killing of Amanda. And they go to her house, and that fucker blows up. <laughs> and I, all I could think of was that scene in The Other Guys. I can't hear! I can't hear! I can't. There's blood blisters on my head! Oh my god, how do I walk away in movies without flinching when it explodes behind them? There's no way! I call bullshit on that! When they flew the Millennium Falcon outside of the Death Star and it was followed by the explosion? That was bullshit! Don't you damn bad mouth Star Wars! That was all accurate! I need an MRI! I need an MRI! <laughs> they, they were just fine. <laughs> The person who blew up Dixie's house is Joshua because he has a special forces tattoo and the little go-bot loving kids at least remembered that. Same tattoo as Martin Riggs. Oh, important to note is Murtaugh's daughter is dating a blonde guy with dimples. Yeah. And Murtaugh doesn't really know him, and that is Joshua. I'm kind of confused by that. <laughs> Why is he dating this girl? What a, what a odd coincidence because this is like before any of this case had started okay, she's barely 18 also she's 27 in real life though i'm just saying in the movie yeah in case anyone feels weird about thinking she's attractive in the movie <laughs> right 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 um <laughs> or thinks it's like especially weird that mel gibson and her have like not, they're not a real relationship but i mean they're not they, they are making eyes at each other right right <laughs> <laughs> so so this is where we find out that hunsacker was running heroin and he gets killed by Gary Busey from a helicopter. Some of the best um, helicopter flying ever because they had to get real low. Real low, real close. That's one thing you don't want to have to do. And perfect shots almost every time. Yeah, special Forces guy, you know, suspend a little disbelief. He's he's pretty good at what, he's, what he does. No, I'm not saying it's unbelievable. I'm saying it's impressive. He's really good at killing people, and that's why he does it. They're both very good at it. He's got less uh, scruples about who he kills. Um, and Riggs chases down... The helicopter to no avail, but later on met with Joshua again and gets shot in the tum. 
but that's okay because he's wearing a vest. Which is new because before he was never wearing it. Right. This is his arc, right? He wants to die. Mm-hmm. He kind of wants, doesn't want to die. And then he wants to live by the end. It's a good arc. And then they decide they're going to use Riggs's fake death for eight seconds. <laughs> they don't use it very long at all. It could have worked. It was very close to working. They have a plan. Okay, so the bad guys got Rianne, Danny Glover's daughter. They determine that they've got the upper hand because they think Mel Gibson is dead. They even get their cop buddies to corroborate that he's dead. Gary Busey calls into the cop line or whatever and asks about Detective Riggs, and he says, well, he's deceased, he was killed. So he feels quite certain that he's dead. So they go to a desert rendezvous. Murtaugh goes, quote-unquote, by himself, but Riggs lines up a sniper rifle to try to pick off some folks. He does kill quite a few of them, which I like to think does grease the way for their success later in the movie. Oh, I agree. Uh, Yeah, they take out a good chunk of the crew in this in this scene um rianne gets away for about five seconds and everybody gets captured so they're the duo is captured love to see mel gibson strung up and his torturer comes in and it's the big trouble in little china guy with the mustache yeah i thought that was him (laughs) to do some torture electric shock torture and i wonder if that helped his depression at all too by the end oh maybe you hear that electric shock is very helpful for that mel gibson he's too good if he knew anything that they wanted to know, he wouldn't have told them, and he would he would have let them torture him to death anyway. And they're they're fairly certain about that. So when the torture guy goes to kill Mel Gibson once and for all, he gets choked out with those lovely meaty thighs of <laughs> Mel Gibson. Which again, worst ways to go. He almost gets Gary Busey that way later too. So close. I'm talking Mel Gibson in his prime. <laughs> and this is Mel Gibson in his prime before the internet. Before the internet, everyone was had a sterling record. Yeah, but this is the only suspension of disbelief is there's like a fight later on, and there's no way Mel Gibson has taken down Gary Busey in his prime. No way. I don't know. You've seen those crazy eyes. But Gary Busey is crazy eyes. No way is Mel Gibson beating Gary Busey. I want to watch that Cobra Kai. Mel Gibson comes in. He's Since he's escaped from the torture, Danny Glover's also being tortured. And Rianne's there, and, you know, there are threats being made. But Mel Gibson comes flying in uh, What after McAllister says, you know, there are no heroes. And then Mel Gibson pops in, and he starts breaking people's necks, like, instantly. <laughs> Murder Man is here. <laughs> so he, they kill most of the people there, and McAllister and Joshua are not there, though. So they're going to chase down, chase them down. Mel Gibson says to Danny Glover, what, what did one shepherd say to the other shepherd? Let's get the flock out of here. Uh, and then <laughs> and during their escape, they walk into like the club portion of this building. Immediately, Mel Gibson shoots the bartender. I don't think he shot the bartender. I think he shot a guy who was behind the bar. Maybe so. Because it was a guy who had a gun. So it looked like he shot the bartender to me. And I was like, what is, what happened? I didn't see the gun. That was the problem. So I'm like, he just walked in here and shot somebody. And it's a club, and nobody seems alarmed until he starts killing way more people in the middle of the dance floor. Well, the music was allegedly too loud to hear those shots. And then they start shooting. A gunshot? I know. Okay. I know. They should turn it down. <laughs> they should turn it down. Joshua has commandeered a vehicle, and he's getting away in it. Mel Gibson is chasing him down on foot, and I felt quite certain that he could outrun any speeding vehicle. I think he knew that he was driving into traffic. True, and they knew a shortcut, which you could get by on foot, probably couldn't get by in a car. General McAllister, also in a car, comes out. Danny Glover has decided, I want to murder this guy. Don't care. This car is filled with heroin and grenades. (laughs) 
<laughs> Pretty good. So he shoots the guy's driver, and the car wrecks as one would if the driver is dead. And Danny Glover is swift on his feet. He gets out of the way. The car blazes into traffic and gets hit by a big bus and flips upside down. So you get a nice little shot of Danny Glover watching as this flipped car pinned down McAllister. Like you said, he's in a car full of heroin and grenades. And if I was him, I probably, rather than try to escape, because you're not going to at that point, I would, probably would have like... Just pull a pin. No, I would have grabbed a bunch of the heroin and just like rubbed it all over my face. Tried to get as high as you could. You can snort heroin, right? You don't have to worry about an OD at this point. Yeah, that's true. That's true. In most movies, the bus generally looks fine. But in this movie, the bus actually took damage. The glass all broke. It was a very realistic collision. The action in this movie is awesome. The action's great. The acting's great. The story's cool. I mean, it's not boring for a second. No. This movie is all about the details. There's always something happening. Then they reconvene Riggs and Murtaugh, and they get the realization that probably Joshua's headed to their house. Luckily, they're able to contact the family ahead of time and tell them, hey, get out of there. And they left a little note on the Christmas tree. How did they leave that note? Or did the, did the family leave the note? Did the mom, <laughs> the mom wrote that up? He was like, all right, real quick, before you get out of the house, I need you to grab a piece of paper, okay, and a pen. Okay, what am I writing? Write, dear bad guys, nobody here but us cops. Can you write that and put it on a Christmas tree? Style points, certainly. But what if they don't see it? They'll see it. They'll see it because we framed the shot so that he'll see it. How could he miss it? Um, and <laughs> so then we start this uh, sweet brawl. Uh, this police-sanctioned brawl between... Almost as long as they live. It was four minutes longer, edited. Really? Yeah. I would have loved that. Why would you cut any second out of that? So if you notice any like weird cuts in the fight, it's because it was a way longer fight. Man. Murtaugh has a great line. But, well, I guess before the fight really takes place, he says, you're wondering where General McAllister is. He's barbecuing his nuts on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> The smell of singed testicles has to be... It smells like victory. <laughs> we did forget that uh, they drive through the house with the cop car. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. So he's looking at the Christmas tree. He's basking in the glory of the note in the Christmas tree and the spirit of Christmas and how much he loves Christmas and thinks about Santa Claus often. And the cop car comes barreling in with nobody in it into the side of, of Danny Glover's house, which is great because I love the idea that he was like, you know, whatever, it's, we're going to get the upper hand on him, even if it means destroying any structural integrity of the place where my family lives. But they still have Christmas dinner there. Yes, because that's what you do on Christmas. Wouldn't they go, like, to another place? <laughs> I would go to Denny's before I ate there. Just somewhere else, just anywhere. <laughs> also, she's a bad cook. I'd have gone to Denny's before going there anyway. They do say that she's a bad cook a lot, which is okay, pretty rough. You know, she's making dinner. You make it then. Oh, definitely. Anyway, Gary Busey, Mel Gibson, they have it out on the lawn for quite some time. There's some weapons play, pretty good. And Mel Gibson finally gets his meaty thighs around Gary Busey's oversized mandibles. And just sort of chokes him out for a little bit. But he decides he doesn't even want to kill people anymore. Until the next movie. Well, until the next minute. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Gary, <laughs> Gary Busey's just going to be arrested. But they do a little slow-mo. He's reaching for the cop's gun. And then in that time, both Riggs and Murtaugh aim their gun and do a nice little double shot. 
and Mel Gibson's now deaf because Murtaugh's gun is right near his ear. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much over. Mel Gibson goes to his wife's grave in the rain. Then he brings his suicide bullet as a Christmas gift for his partner so that he knows, like, hey, you know, I'm not suicidal anymore. I'm not going to use this bad sucker. It's yours. You can have it. And then he eats dinner with him. The end. Before we do budget and stuff, I'll ask you, who's your hero? Who's your villain? It's Murtaugh for sure. Mm -hmm. He's too old for this shit, but he's still down to play. He's not fucking around. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think that he's the straight-laced cop in the situation, but really neither of them are, and I think that's what makes this movie so great. Whenever it comes time to get that sweet, sweet revenge, he's like, yes, McAllister must die. Mm -hmm. And he makes sure that McAllister dies. And he wanted to make sure that Gary Busey died before Riggs said, no, it's not worth it. Right. And then they kill him anyway. They're both, like, ready to... Do the needful. <laughs> Do what's necessary. Yeah, they were ready for it. Yeah, if it came to murder, they had murder on the mind already. So, look out. My hero is it's going to be Martin Riggs as a character. Mm. Martin Riggs, great character arc. I didn't really like to see his butt, but I did see his butt. <laughs> um, his butt didn't ruin the movie for me. I liked the character arc. I liked that, you know, he starts with nothing to lose and ends with a family whenever he thought, you know, he didn't have anyone left in the world. Mm -hmm. He had an actual arc. They, well, they both did. He, he kills a lot of people in very cool and inventive ways. And they're all bad people. And He's not killing any good bad. people. No, he didn't kill a single good person in this movie. My villain is, it's just going to be, it's got to be Gary Busey. I mean, only because, I mean, I mean, Gary Busey. Not the okay. character. No, I'm just kidding. He, <laughs> he, he just looks so insane. He looks so villainous. He's perfectly cast. And uh, I'm scared of him. It's prime Busey time, baby. Even out of his prime. If Gary Busey shows up to your house right now, you're scared. That's fair. Unarmed Gary Busey would frighten me in person. I'm not getting in a boxing match with Gary Busey. Not happening. Um, my villain's Mel Gibson. Fuck that guy. Everyone knows why. Uh, look at the internet if you don't know. He's not good as a man. He could, he needs to do better, and then I don't know if people will still forgive me, even if he does. So, what's the budget on this bad boy? $15 million estimated. Very expensive movie. Very good effects. All that money's on the screen. Great stunt work. That's true. If you have great stunt work, you don't need as much money. True. It did gross $65 million in the U.S. and Canada, and worldwide $120 million. This is... By far and away a success. That's why there's a billion of these and then a TV show. This is the only one out of the Lethal Weapon movies that didn't come out in the summer blockbuster. It came out in the spring, which is interesting because it's a Christmas movie. And <laughs> it's the only one that didn't hit $100 million in the box office domestic. Let's see. Rotten Tomatoes has it at an 80% critic score and the audience says 86. I think that's fair. Definitely. I think it's a classic. I even like the sequels for the most part. I've only seen the next one. I didn't see any more after Lethal Weapon 2. All of them after this have Joe Pesci in it, so... Oh, man. That's exciting. That being said, Dave, I must ask you this question. M mustaches, how do they factor in for you? We're talking to Murtaugh, we're talking Tom Atkins, both pretty good mustaches. Good mustaches truly didn't matter in this movie. Didn't matter. I agree with you. I don't think he even needed a, a one. Now, but better because of them. The second stash 
7 minutes, 24 seconds. 444 S to S seconds to stash. He comes down the steps with a mustache in a sweater vest with a tie. Tie outside the sweater vest. I agree. I think the movie is good agnostic of mustache entirely. It's rare for me to say that. I mean, of course I love them. Of course I appreciate them. I'm glad they're there. They enhance it for me, but I think for the general public, no one would have even noticed had they not been there. That's Lethal Weapon. That's what we thought. And you can tell us what you think by hitting us up at nerdaplexy at gmail.com. We will read and answer any questions. Speaking of read, he's still missing. He's on the milk carton, but he'll, he'll be back soon for our December offing. I'm not entirely sure what that is, actually. We need to talk about that. (laughs) <laughs> I was about to ask you. <laughs> I thought Decembeard after November, but a couple big bearded flicks. Get a Santa Claus in there. There's also December, which is for because it's cold. Just cold ass movies. Just some cold. That's a cold movie. The Thing. Just thinking about that movie makes me cold. Yeah, so we're not entirely sure what we're doing next, but we will be doing something next. Fret not. But in the meantime, you can hit up Reed on Twitter at pgh underscore Reed or read underscore nerdaplexy at letterboxd and he'll give you some movie reviews if you're really wanting to get his two cents he lays them bare for you there unlike our upper lips this month (laughs) this is a closing november episode sad to see it go but it could be back next year who knows you can hit me up at pgh underscore svh or you can send something to our social media Joshua, it's Dave. It's at the face of Dave, and he'll also answer to at NerdaplexiPod on Twitter. Yeah, hit me up with your seasonal depression that mustaches are no longer important to movies. You and I can still talk about them. Yeah, you can hit me up at the face of Dave. So, we always like to close with a mustache fact during our November. The mustache fact that I've prepared for you today is that... Police in the district of Madhya Pradesh state in India are being paid to grow mustaches because bosses believe it makes them command more respect. That tracks. That makes sense to me.